0: This is the Straight Dope episode 54. I'm back from our fish drive aganza holidays, and I want to get back into uh, launching more of these more regularly. And uh, when I got back, I filtered through some emails, questions, and thought it would be really fun to tackle a common question I see online. I see sent to me, asked of me, even to people that, that I know pretty well, and know know the answers to. Um, you know, hey man, give me a list of some good gear. And what I'm going to do here is just kind of uh, navigate out from that and how I think about it in in my own kind of way and ask yourself to ask yourself some questions about that good gear question. So what we're going to do right off the bat is, um, actually, I'm just going to grab a piece of paper, and what we're going to do is we're going to write down good gear. All right, and what I like to do is flip it on its head. So we're going to say, instead of asking... Do you have good gear? Give me a list of good gear. What's the gear I want? How do I get stuff to get better? Uh, Let's take that good gear and flip it around. Is your gear good? A lot of us have gear, and I think that's where we need to start. Not say, what do I need? But let's look at what we have and ask that same question. Is my gear good? I think when you ask if something's good or good to go, there's different connotations to that so, so let's talk about that for a sec Is your gear good? I don't know Do you know? I don't even know how to answer that question So I, it's going to be fun to explore this Because what we're going to try to do Is in the next however long I can keep my train of thought here Is try to get to the bottom of how I would Even approach that question Without any real preparation Is your gear good? You know, are we good? Can we? Are we good to go? Is it ready? What's at the heart of your rifle? The heart of your rifle, you might say, well, I've heard a lot of people mention that the accuracy of a rifle. Everybody, I think when you say, well, I want some good stuff, really, like if you're trying to read their mind, they're talking about accuracy and precision, right? Uh, Precision has more to do I think with the shooter and accuracy has more to do with the system is the inherent accuracy of the system good so let's start with that I'm going to say that you've probably all heard that the accuracy of your rifle largely comes down to the barrel so do you have a good barrel how many rounds are on it if it's under 200 it's probably not fully broken in I don't know about different break-in procedures I've heard them I haven't performed all of them I've tried you know a lot of different break-in procedures. But what I do know is that a good barrel shoots good, and it didn't matter how I broke it in. After about 200 rounds, all my barrels have sped up. So I've never had a barrel that I put on, chronographed, figured out what I was gonna shoot out of it, had that velocity stay the same thing for for the length of its life. So let's talk about is your gear good from the heart of accuracy, which is the barrel. I've got a barrel on my rifle, it's chambered in something, that barrel, Came from a manufacturer and if it's reputable They've got a reputation to uphold So they probably make good stuff There's a lot of different barrel manufacturers And if you've got a cheapo barrel <clears throat> There might be issues with it But if it's inherently accurate <clears throat> You know It shoots ammo pretty well To a certain standard right? I'm going to just say an inch for conversation But if it shoots to an inch There are plenty of manufacturers out there That guarantee things to sub-inch I've even had some that didn't shoot sub-inch, asked them about it, sent it back to them, had them shoot it. They validated that it didn't shoot sub-inch, and they just said, you know, tough luck. So um, I'm going to say a good barrel shoots an inch, so we don't have to get into that conversation. That good barrel that shoots an inch was chambered by somebody. Was it chambered well? I've had barrels that had bad chamber jobs, like for real legit bad chamber drive, take it to another Smith, they go, wow, there's something wrong with this. Is the reamer out of spec? Is the chamber out of spec? Is the throat the wrong tension? Is it, you know, the 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 free bores? This, that, there's, there's a lot of issues that could cause a barrel to be bad right off the bat, but you'll know it. It's not going to, like, go bad, I don't think. So um, ask yourself, do you have a good barrel? Is it accurate? Does it shoot well? If you put a bunch of ammo in it, does it generally shoot most ammo reasonably well, right? It might shoot something better, like half inch But everything else an inch um, if, if it can't even shoot an inch Like I'd be super disappointed Anyway um, Get a reputable gunsmith With good tools And a history of performance To chamber up your barrels And it's worth paying a little extra money I think I've tried a lot of different gunsmiths And some gunsmiths charge more And that didn't necessarily mean they were better uh, Some if there's an issue you can send it back to them and they double check it. I like that. I like having a relationship that I can ask questions. I ask, obviously, I ask a lot of questions. So sometimes I just reach out and I say, hey, I'm having trouble with this. Give me ideas, because they get to see a lot more barrels than I do. If you don't have a good barrel, that's where you want to start. I think you can get away with terrible everything else and, and shoot really well and have a high performance value of your system with a good barrel. A really good barrel on a Remington 700, just stock, a couple hundred dollar rifle. And it shoots sub-inch, any 308 ammo, all day, all night. Over 10,000 rounds through it, it just shoots freaking awesome. I pulled that barrel off, and I had another barrel spun up to it, and it just doesn't shoot the same. Put the old barrel back on, shoots awesome. Put the other barrel on, doesn't shoot very good. Got another barrel for it, shoots good. So that one barrel just doesn't shoot good. It's a $400 rifle. It can outshoot you know, some of my $5,000 rifles. And from what I can tell, it's just because you know, like two of the three barrels for it are good. So two of those three barrels um, are great. That would probably satisfy a lot of the questions that people have about, is my gear good, right? What, what does good constitute? We're going to say here, you can shoot an inch or better. And do you need to spend a lot of money? No. Did I get lucky on the Remington 700? I think so. I heard that there's inconsistency in that brand and and make and model. Um, but for me, that barrel, the original barrel, shoots really good. I had two other barrels spun up for it. One's not so good. One's super super good. But a couple hundred dollar rifle that comes with a barrel that shoots sub inch. And then you spend another 700 bucks, 800 bucks to have another barrel spun up for it. Now, all of a sudden, it's not a couple hundred dollar rifle anymore. So you can get a good one that's cheap, performs great. But it can't do some other things. So let's talk about what goes on to that barrel, since that's the heart of the barrel. It's got to be on an action. What do I look for in an action? I've, I've tried out a bunch of actions, and, and most for the most part, I like them. I don't like any... For me anyway, the, the, my personal preference is that there's not um, lots of free and moving parts. So I don't like the uh, recoil lug to be free of, of the action. If I have a choice, I want the recoil lug integral to the action. Same thing with the rail on the action. I want that integral because I've seen scopes fall off because the rail comes loose. Not something that you check every time. Now, you could put it into your system to check everything, but if you're running the range or running to a comp or, or something and you check it, it, there's just that's just one more layer of things that could fail. And so the fewer things that can fail, it makes me more comfortable because I don't want to go through a 100-point checklist to make sure that every screw is locked at a torque every time I go to the range. Um, it That just come, becomes kind of a pain in the ass. And if shit gets stuck in a wobbly... Uh, recoil lug and something's not i don't know i just want fewer things so i look for an action that has fewer and and the ones that i like um are the uh the the lone peaks fusions and impact 737s are the ones that have performed best for me now there's some differences between lone peak fusions and impacts I've, i've heard them compared a lot but but there are some differences um and, and you need to kind of look into that. But for, for the most part, they're, they're pretty good. The bolt release um, on the, the, the what am I trying to say? The Lone Peak um, had some trouble. And uh, the trigger the trigger shoe on both of those is a little bit different. One just has pins, and the other one has a trigger shoe itself that you put the trigger into, and then you have to screw that in. And, and I, don't, I don't like the trigger shoe, the impact, because it is another thing that can come out, but it makes it easy to swap triggers and put it in and out. And um, so, whatever you know, I don't like that part of it, but but I I do like everything else of it. And uh, both of those come with prefits that are really really good and repeatable and and solid. So you know, I don't like the shoehorn or the impact. I don't like the bolt release of the the Lone Peak. But what can you do? Like they work pretty. They they both work good. I've, both of those have failed um I'm not failed but one the shoehorn came loose so my trigger wasn't working and then I realized that the shoehorn kind of unscrewed and then the sear wasn't catching and that's still a problem cuz you're trying to shoot and it won't shoot and then the bolt release really broke on the other one and so the bolt would come back when I cycled it and that was a pain too but but both were easy to fix both were easy to identify and uh life went on I I don't I haven't noticed really any influence on how that how it actually shoots uh, because field guns are tend to be kind of loose and sloppy. Neither, I mean, they're both really nice, but the best cycling and the best feeling action I've ever shot for me personally, like just the way it felt, was one of those old surgeons that just, man, it was like, I don't even know, I can't even describe it. It just cycled really nice and smooth. And the tolerances were, were really high, but it could didn't shoot and cycle well when it was dirty. So uh, it would lock up and have problems like that. And as soon as, I went to the impact in the Lone Peak. Uh, Dirt gets in there, and I've never had a dirt issue occur in those actions. But you can feel that it's a little bit looser, but I think it's looser like that for for a reason because everything that needs to be tight when it is tight works the way it should, and then it's loose so that dirt and grime and shit like that can blow through it and um, not have it bind up like those other ones. So the accuracy, check your barrel. Uh, Is your gear good? Can it shoot most things to an inch or, or a little bit better than an inch, maybe half inch? That would be a good standard. So that's going to come down to your barrel. You screw it onto an action in a way that's repeatable. If you pull the barrel off and put it back on, is it consistent? That's, that's one thing that we're going we're gonna to cycle back here to. So you put the barrel on the action, shoot it, take the barrel off, put the barrel back on the action and shoot it and do that a couple times. I know that there's a process that you're going to have to go through to be able to do that, but is it relatively consistent? I've noticed that with rifles that you can switch the barrels out. Um, the, uh, the Zeus and the Accuracy International, they return to zero really well, but they're known for returning to zero really well. And I believe that my impact and lone peak actions, when I put the barrels that I had spun up for them on at the exact same torque, and I always torque them, well, that's actually not true. I used to torque them to 90 foot-pounds, and now I started torquing them to 70 foot-pounds. And, um, But I always torque it to the same value, and they always shoot the same. So I can take them off, put them on, and, and there's more to it, but we'll get to that. If you can take it off and put it on, I think that you're saying, like, okay, that's a good partnership between the barrel and the action. If you have any issues, if you take a barrel off and put it back on and things change, I would be suspect, and I would say you don't have good gear, right? Now, on the other end of the barrel, you're going to stick something on there. Now, I've been messing a lot with stuff on that end of the barrel and much less on the action end of the barrel, right? I've got my tried and true actions. got my tried and true barrels. Got my tried and true gunsmiths that deal with the barrels that I put onto that. I feel like I can take my barrels off. I can put them on. I don't have rails that are going to fall off, recoil lugs that are going to fall off. I'm comfortable with the bolt release. I'm comfortable with the, the way I could swap out a trigger. I feel like if I swap out a trigger on either one, I don't need to worry about what it did to my round or my zero or anything like that because I've tested it. The other end... I mess around with brakes and suppressors and I've been dealing with the adapters like the Hellfire adapter and testing tuner brakes and tuners and I can say that that you can run into some problems on that end by stacking things that have tolerances. Now people like to point their fingers around and um, blame everyone else for having bad tolerances but whatever the answer might be if you start stacking stuff on the muzzle end of your barrel you could run into tolerance issues, which means that the bullet might hit something on its way out, right? And I had that hit a suppressor when I had a tuner and an adapter and a suppressor on there. Uh, and and that's just the way it goes, right? I got a, a baffle strike, and um, when I reduced one of the elements and kept that those combinations cycling, I didn't have issues. So it was only when I stacked three things on there I did. But um you know that that's how you kind of live and learn and uh that points to something being a problem but it's good to know okay well these something is an issue and maybe I won't stack three things now the tuners are really interesting to me personally because you can have good barrels but if you put a tuner on it like I mentioned my Remington 700 the one the barrel that's not so good if I, I put a tuner on it and it shoots great so I've been messing around you know, for the last couple of years with factory ammo, and that factory ammo, I can always get it to shoot well uh, you know, in most rifles. Uh, there's one that, that I've been struggling with a little bit, but I haven't put in enough time to solve some of that problems. But putting a tuner on a brake makes it really easy. Now, some tuners, if you and, and somebody pointed this out to me, so, um, so I, I didn't initially think to test this, but when you put a tuner on and you tune it, you find a good spot. It works, and I've put that on for you know a case or two of the same lot, and it held the exact same group size throughout the case or two of that on the barrel. But but while everything that I had done up to that point was simply just put it on, set it at the lowest setting, and then start spinning it till the group got small, and as soon as it broke that half inch requirement that I was looking for, um, I stopped, and I would just leave it there, and it, and I've never had it go. Out of tune, but this guy said, "Hey, you know, tune it, and then spin it all the way out, and then back it all the way in, and then go through that whole test again, and tell me what it looks like." Shit, that's kind of expensive, but what the fuck? I went through it, and the test was totally different, and the settings ended up being different. Now, what I thought it was was happening is that you were, you know, essentially moving that weight to change the harmonics of the barrel, which would point towards that being repeatable every single time, right? Because you're right, if it's science, it's repeatable. And it's not only repeatable by you, but anybody could go out there and say, okay, this is how they did it. These are their methods, and we're going to get the exact same results. And I didn't get those exact same results with some of the tuners, and I did with others. So I I can't explain why. Uh, The ones that are less repeatable, I've used the most, and they work when you tune it and leave it there but for some reason when you spin it off and spin it on and then go through that whole process again it, it's not necessarily in the exact same spot so you couldn't put it in your rifle book take it off and then say okay I'm going to take this ammo take this take it off clean it all you know come back to it later with that same ammo and put it on the setting that works uh, I found in my testing that that just that's just not the case. All right, brakes. I'm not a... You know, I, I like brakes. Obviously, they help in muzzle rise. They help in felt recoil. It helps you spot your shots. There's a lot of benefit to brakes. They, you know, if you're shooting next to somebody with a brake, you can get a headache after too long. You're getting that concussive blast. But it's it's kind of one of those things that you have to kind of be able to accept and deal with. And I've been shooting either the, the Fat Boys or the... Um, uh, no, 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 it's the Fat Boys. The Little Bastards or the Hellfire. And I like the Hellfire adapter because I like to swap out, shoot, suppress sometimes. I like shooting a suppressor. I like the way that it feels. I like the way the, the recoil feels. I like the reduced muzzle blast. I like the lower volume so I could talk to whoever I'm shooting with. I think it's really cool. I don't like to compete with suppressors. And I don't like, you know, if it mattered... I don't like the idea of using a suppressor in most circumstances just simply because it's one more thing that could come loose. It's one more thing that could have problems. and um, But there's a time and a place for it. And I have a bunch like them, special use case or training scenario, but I'm not going to go to competition with a suppressor unless it's a suppressed competition, in which case... Right, I'm going to do it, and it's going to be cool, and it's going to be fun. But if I had the choice, I'm going to have the fewest moving parts there to go out of whack. And now it might sound funny because I said I want a tuner on there. Uh, oftentimes, if I'm shooting factory ammo, I put on a tuner, and I just tune it so that it works, so I don't have to worry about it. But um, in the end, I'm going to look to have the fewest moving, breakable parts, and and I think that's pretty cool. Now the the one thing that surprised me in the tuner. Break, you know muzzle end department is the um there's a dude down in australia uh, he goes by strike without warning and follow him on instagram he saw that i was doing some muzzle brake tests and some tuner tests and he said hey i make this thing and like you know like most people they're like hey i make this product whatever and and you're like that's cool um you know I, I, I wish i could afford to uh you know test everything that everybody sends you know to me saying hey buy this cuz you need to test this out but the strike without warning tuner break holy crap man i put that on um a couple barrels it's it's heavy it's 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 definitely like it's a big piece of metal so if you're trying to go like super ultralight you you're going to have to consider that in your loadout but I've actually never had to tune anything with it yet, so like I feel weird talking about this, but I put it on every barrel as a test, right? I'll put on like eight barrels of you know five or six different calibers. And I put it on there and it shoots good. So I, I, I legitimately haven't had to tune anything with it, but the brake part of it works great. It, it, it's, you can feel the difference in less recoil, and I want to test the tuner aspect of it, but I literally have not screwed it on a barrel and not have it shoot like a third of an inch. So um, if I take it off and I put on another break, that group opens up. If I put the other tuner on it, I have to tune it to get it to shoot. But with this, for 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 some reason, it just works with what I've got. So I can't say with... Um, you know, I, I I can't really say to the tuner aspect of it because I legit haven't put it on anything where it didn't actually just shoot spun on tight. And uh, so I'm going to try to find something that doesn't shoot good and use the tuner. But I had to say something because I was really impressed with the fact that I just put on everything and it just, for some reason, you know, just tightens up the groups. Um, and I've heard... I haven't heard it recently, but I have heard in the past suppressor companies saying, oh, yeah, you know, typically when you put on a suppressor, you know, it'll tighten the groups up a little bit. And it, Although that didn't really make sense to me, having a little mass out there. Like, I mean, I, I don't know, whatever. But I've never taken something like that and really just had all the barrels that I use for testing um, shoot, you know, sub-half-inch, third of an inch. Just every every time I put it on, it just dampens down that vibration somehow. It could just be that it's heavy, I don't know, but it works good, and the muzzle brake is good, and that's all I want to say about that. So, is your gear good? Is your barrel a sub-inch barrel? That's probably the heart of it. Do you have an action that works and is reliable when it's dirty? Do you have a good muzzle end piece of equipment that allows you to accomplish your goals and... um, You know, see your impacts, reduce the felt recoil. Can you do everything that you need to do or not? Now, you need to put that stuff uh, into something, right? Well, actually, you know what? In the action question, I'm going to back up here a little bit. The bolt. uh, I have broke firing pins, but it was user error. Well, I wouldn't say it. I guess, yeah, it has to be user error. I was was shooting... um, I was shooting uh, factory ammo and I was getting light strikes, light strike, light strike. So I would just keep cycling it until it shot, but it would pierce the primers. And so I was piercing primers and I didn't think too much about it until uh, it broke firing pin. So uh, piercing primers, probably not a good idea. Light strikes and in continuing to shoot them until they shoot uh, caused those pierced primers and that pierced primers blew up back. I didn't notice the, Back blast as much. I kind of smelled a little bit different, but I did notice that it broke a couple firing pins, um, and so I got new firing pins and everything worked good. And I stopped uh, blowing and piercing those primers. And then I, I did uh, traveling once. I did have uh, the bolt handle uh, break, uh, and and my you know, something during transport on the airline. I think uh, broke that handle. Uh, some bolt handles screw on, and some don't, or or they're fixed on much tighter than others. Um, you know, if, if, if they're loose, just make sure you might have a backup because it would suck to cycle it without the little bolt knob. Um, but anyway, yes, yeah, I, I do carry around a spare firing pin because of that, but since I stopped piercing primers, uh, I stopped having firing pin issues. Let's talk about putting it in something. So, uh, y- you know, the idea of a chassis or a stock, here's, here's what I would say, just like the barrel and the action test, you want to put your barreled action, right, and, and this would, we're going to jump ahead, because it's going to need a scope and stuff, but you're going to need to be able to take your barreled action in and out of whatever you're mounting it into, your chassis or your stock, and if that point of impact shifts much, then is your gear good? No, it's not good, like, you have to be able to take your barreled action out of your chassis or stock and put it back in and have it maintain its point of aim, point of impact. Now, if it's a tenth, or a tenth off, like, that's not a big deal, right? A tenth off, most shooters are going to be a tenth off every day, and it's just them and the inconsistency in your shooting ability, right? A tenth left, a tenth right, a tenth up, a tenth down, I'm going to blame the shooter. But if it's more than that, when you just take out the barreled action and put it back into your chassis there's something wrong with either the way you do it or the chassis itself and some chassis and stocks have torque issues right they just do not uh, marry up to the action in a way that's that's repeatable because of little weird torques and and I don't know but the way that they're put together so once it gets super tight you know it might shoot one way and then you screw unloose you loosen it a little bit and then you shoot it again or you tighten it again and it doesn't shoot the same and the torque and the tension that's going through that thing isn't consistent. What is it? I, I don't know. But if, it, if it's enough to do that, then temperature changes are going to cause it to swing and, and all sorts of stuff is, is going to be... And I've seen them. I've literally seen it firsthand. Some you can take in and out and some you can't. If you cannot take it in and out of your chassis without having to go back to a zero, you need to change that. Like I, I don't, I don't even care what the excuse is, um, because you do not have good gear. Stuff happens. You're gonna have to take your barreled action out of your chassis or stock at a competition. Sometimes. It let Let's go back to the trigger scenario. You break a trigger. You gotta take it out. You gotta swap the trigger. If you can't do that and maintain your zero, holy crap! Like the, you have something that does half of its job, but you need it to do its full job. So if you know, now we're starting to get a little bit more of a serious tone, but if you literally can't take it in and out of its chassis, then screw it. You need to sell it and get something that works. Um, I can literally take my XLR chassis. I can swap that same barrel action across multiple chassis and maintain the same point of aim, you know, within a 10th. Um, so I want to know that if I have to take it apart, I can put it back together and it's going to shoot the way I expect it to shoot within reason. Now I'm not going to win a bench rest competition doing that, but I don't shoot bench rest. But if, 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 if we're talking about just a 10th deviation of, of, you know, my dope and my data, that's fine with me. Even if it was too tense, I'd be like, okay, that's fine. That's acceptable because I can get my shooting level up to a high enough level where I can get by until I can go take care of, you know, check whatever, but I want to trust it. And I test it on paper all the time. Um, I wanna trust each component. And so I'll spend excessive amounts of ammo and time taking apart different parts of the rifle and putting it back together to see like, can I do this? And if I was in the field and I had to do this, would it still work and would I still be able to trust it? Now there's things that you can do to validate it and check it if, if you're able to actually shoot in the field, but you wanna know and trust your equipment first and foremost. You're still probably going to do any check that you can, but if you can't do that, swap a trigger, take it out of the chassis, put it back in. Now, th- Yes, that means that you have to torque it the exact same way, and I always, I always tighten up the front, tighten up the back, torque the front to you know, 65 inch pounds, torque the back to 65 inch pounds. Then I'm good to go. I carry my fix-it sticks around. I do it the same way every time stand it vertically so that it seats back in there so that the recoil lug is on there but I do that the same way every time and I can get similar results so if you can't do that no you don't need a new action you don't need a new barrel you don't need a new muzzle brake you don't need to swap to a can you don't need a five port this or this that what you need is a new chassis or stock that is freaking repeatable right and if you're going to do that then you want to look at the rear end of it and make sure that to you, it's adjustable so that it fits, right? The the stuff on the back of the chassis or the stock that interfaces with your body, it's good to have it adjustable because we're all different shapes and sizes and you want to make sure that it fits you so that when you mount that rifle, you mount it repeatably every single time. I can tell you from seeing craft targets and shooting craft targets myself and now helping people train to shoot better that how you mount that rifle repeatably every single time shows on paper and if it shows on paper it shows at distance so you want to make sure if you're going out of your way to get a chassis or a stock look to make sure that it fits you and that it goes through the adjustable ranges of motion that that you need to fit your particular body size and shape because that's going to be really important Uh, I don't know what you need and I don't know the left and right limits for you and your body but that's something that you need to get to the bottom of and um, and be able to work out I like to be able to change my comb height I don't put a lot of head pressure on it though um, And I like to be able to And I also like flat Recoil pads I don't like the curved things um, I think And I like firm flat Recoil Recoil pads um, So so anyway that's that Alright so now we got our barreled action Got our muzzle devices We got our chassis in stock We want to make sure that that thing Fits us correctly so that we don't, you know, you, when you're standing up and you interface with it, you have the same point of aim, point of impact as when you're kneeling, when you're no, low kneeling, when you're high prone, when you're seated, when you're low prone, you want to make sure that that interface is consistent. You see that like, do you have a point of aim, point of impact shift when you change positions? That interface is going to be adjustable on the shooter end. Okay, now, sticking into that also from the bottom are magazines. Now, magazines, I, you know, they it's more about how, do they feed, but do they seed in there? Man, I, you know, the reason I don't shoot twenty-twos is because the mag issue with my voodoo sucks so bad, it's not even fun to shoot, and so it just sits there collecting dust. Um, the mags, if you shoot, you know, you want to make sure that they feed right. You want to make sure you have enough of them and that you clean them out so that they don't dive down and cause jams. That and Eventually, it's going to happen, but make sure you clean them out, you know, pop out the everything and and swab it out and make sure that if you have a shorter cartridge like a like a br you know it's you have a reputable the ones that i use now exclusively are the mdt ones and they work good i never have feeding issues and it's just not it's just a non-issue for me and make sure that uh, some chassis uh, now have little uh, knobby deals where you can adjust the tension so that it seats well but if but i like the idea that I push my rifle into a rest, that pressure on the magazine isn't going to cause feed issues. If it does, look to see if you can adjust the chassis so that the the tension of when you put in the magazine helps helps that. Um, Some people put tape around it, but if there's an issue, then your gear is not good, right? You can't have feeding issues if there's tension on a magazine. I just think that's unacceptable. Right, whoever needs to fix those issues, I don't know who it is. But from a user end, if that stuff happens, don't buy it. Like that's garbage, and you're just feeding more shit. Right? the The consumer market that's out there is fed by people buying stuff. So all the garbage that's out there means that people actually buy it. People actually buy it. I don't. I don't even know why. Some of it is because it's like one of those fool me once kind of deals. Right? You fool me once, I bought a ton of stuff. They fooled me once, but I'll never buy it a second time your Mags don't feed, don't buy that kind of magazine anymore. Now, um, let's see. So, we got our barreled action barrel muzzle devices, we got our chassis, we got the adjustable fit, we got the repeatable mounting, we got our magazine issues. Now, let's talk about rings and scopes a little bit. Um, man, I go back and forth. I like to, I, I, I generally use spur mounts for for my my big rifles because I can take them off and put them on and I don't get zero issues. Like I take my spur mounts on and I put them on and I take them off and I don't get zero issues. I even I even know the offsets between rifles cuz I I'll swap scopes between rifles a lot and they'll just stay good. And um shoot I even loosen them up slid it around and the dust that was on the scope and the rings I just kind of lined it up by eye and retightened it and it was like within an inch of my zero just just kind of setting it there um on the mount using the dust as a way to align it and and um I was I was pretty impressed so the one piece mounts I like the quality of some of the spur metal recently has been total garbage and cracking so you want to make sure that the coating, you don't see any cracks in the metal because that's going to cause problems and if it cracks and you have it tightened down, you might not know it and and so uh, look for the cracking on those side uh, thingamabobbers. Now the, the single rings, I use those on the hunter mounts and I got some locally made ones and I like that you can make them narrower or farther apart but it seems like at this point the the amount of real estate that you have on the tube versus the rail doesn't really truly give you that much maneuverability um with the rail and the size of the scope and where you need to mount it on on that stuff so i like the idea that you could slide it in slide it out and have that modularity but in reality um I kind of still prefer just the single mount, so I can just take it on and off and leave it in, leave it all together. But once you get the single ring set up, I think um, I've heard from scope manufacturers that there's a little bit of advantage to having narrower scope rings and farther apart in terms of parallax issues and issues on the tube. Uh, I don't know that because I'm not a scope manufacturer and I've uh, haven't had issues um, with with like over-tightening them and having to return it or or seeing how many people actually do that when they send their scopes back. I think about it sometimes, but then I haven't really had an issue with the spur mount, and I haven't wanted to spend money on mounts to just see what they worked like. Um, they're heavy, but again, like I can configure things to work for Hunter Light, and that's, that's kind of the weight threshold that I kind of shoot for is having my rifle in that 11-pound range. So scope rings. Uh, you know, when I started shooting and reading all the books, people talked about lapping rings and making sure. i have never done any of that. I think if you can't just buy something and put it on your scope and expect it to work, like, who who has time for all that garbage? Scopes. Um, I put a post out today, like, what do you look for with a scope? To me, it, it's actually, well, well, we'll do a whole episode on it, but, but I, I, you know, like many people, I want to be able to put it on and see what I'm shooting at, and I want to be able to uh, not be distracted by the reticle, and I want to be able to make my adjustments with the turrets, uh, up, down, left, right. I want to be able to adjust my parallax, and I want to be able to see in lower light conditions or the conditions that I'm going to be using that scope in. I like having an illuminated reticle option, and um, if if it does that consistently, I like it. I've seen very expensive scopes not work, and I've seen very cheap scopes work great. So I don't know that there is any line between price point and, and and actual functionality. I imagine that glass quality itself has something to do with some of the price points, but some of the scopes with amazing glass reputation and quality have not worked to standard. And some... Lesser glass companies uh, have scopes that work so good that I, I couldn't even care less. Like maybe I haven't found scenarios where um, I've been out personally and been like, "Oh man, I can't see the target. Let me use this other scope and see the target." They they just work good for me. So I, I have my kind of tried and true um, scopes, but I'll talk about what I look for in more detail. But I want to be able to take that scope. Take the rings and you know and the mount usually with a scope like i'll I'll leave the ring once I put them on on an action um, people might freak out, but the impact actions and the lone peak actions they're made to such a high standard that like the rail is level, and when everything is leveled, I can take it from one scope to another or one action to another back and forth and i and I don't re level them um that that might freak some of you out a little bit. I just once I have them in their rings just leave them in the rings, and I might, I'll change the zero, um, but I, and sometimes I'll just change, I know the offset, so I'll change the offset, and then I'll just do holdovers. So um, I want to be able to take that scope off the rifle and put it back on and have it maintain at zero, again, to a tenth, left, right, up, down, because if I drop my rifle or something happens or if, 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 um, you know, I'm traveling or I want to, who, who the heck knows? But you can all imagine a scenario when you take your rifle apart or you have to take something off and then you think, oh man, I'm going to have to go back to the zero board. I don't want to have to think that or feel like something like that's going to take me out of whatever I'm doing. Like, I want to know by testing it on paper at home that if I take the scope off and I take the rifle out of its chassis or the barreled action with the scope. I want to be able to know that I could take any of the components off and put them back on. And if I have another scope, a backup scope that zeroed for that rifle sitting in a case, if the scope breaks, God forbid, I can take that other scope out and put it on and it's going to have a good zero. I can continue until later on I'll go back, you know, and check zero or whatever. But if, if, if it's a matter of like I'm on a stage and something happens, and then on the next stage, I don't have time to go zero, I could change the scope out, get through that stage, and then, you know, make the adjustments that I need to from watching my hits and misses, but not lose so many points that it's going to really matter um, in the big picture, and also, that's kind of good experience, I think. All right, so, is your gear good? Can you take it apart and can you put it back together and have it work the same way, right? That's basically this sketch that I've put together here. I've got action, barrel, muzzle device, chassis, trigger, magazines, bolt, scopes, rings, mounts. And it all points back to me, to make a s- short story super long, is if your, your gear is good, if it shoots under an inch... And you can take it apart and put it all back together and it still shoots under an inch and you don't have to do any crazy adjustments. Your gear is good, right? The only other things that you're going to need are a bipod. I use bipods as kickstands. I don't shoot off bipods a lot. Um, There's fancy ones. There's expensive, cheap ones. I find myself more and more just using it as a kickstand. I need to put my rifle down so I can set my tripod up and I'm going to shoot off my tripod. I like an Arca rail so I can clip it into my tripod. I like tripods. Uh, are very useful and versatile for a field shooter like me. Bipods are very useful and versatile for a field shooter. Skypods, like, it's pretty hard to compete uh, with a skypod in terms of, like, if you made bipods, it's easy to compete with a skypod because they're so versatile. You say, oh, what's my position? Oh, I'm going to shoot <laughs> high-kneeling. I'm going to rip it out, use tripod rear support. It's kind of a no-brainer. But um, it's hard... F- to come up with bipods that, that aren't as field-friendly as 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 those skypods with the long legs. But other other people are connoisseurs of shooting prone with bipods, and I, that's not something I do a lot of, so I can't really speak to it. Um, I either use a skypod if it's going to be like positional field shooting and time is a huge issue because that takes away, I need to figure out what my position's going to be. It's like, no, nah, I'm just going to do this and shoot. Or shoot off a tripod. It's like, well, you know, I could shoot everything standing. Great let's just shoot standing and not worry about what position we're going to shoot from tripods have problems the gaskets break the the you know they get dirty the i mean all, all sorts of problems but but they're kind of a necessary evil i would say go with ones that you can get parts for every single match in the field i break gaskets in my tripod legs and i have to swap them out so um i don't know i mean but the pros and cons that's easy to fix. Real field expedient. You can be running and 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 moving very quickly. And um, you know the I, I don't even know what else to say about that. I feel like a broken record when it comes to tripods. Get tripods. Get comfortable with it. Get fast with it. But they have issues. Learn to deal with the issues. There's nothing else we can do about it. Um, you know. That's it. Is your gear good? Can you take it apart? And can you put it back together, and will it perform the exact same way when you put it back together? If your answer is no to any of those parts, those are the things that you need to swap out, right, before you work on anything else. And if you don't shoot as well as you think you should, it's probably because you need to work on shooting and not worrying about gear, but... If we're going to talk about gear and we're going to focus on your gear and we're going to answer the questions that relate to is your gear good enough, that's what I'm going to ask you to do. Take your rifle apart, put it back together. Does it shoot as good? If it doesn't, we're going to take some of it off and we're going to put some of it back on until we figure out what it is that when you take off and put back on causes that shift and that identifies the problem that you have and the piece of equipment that you need to swap out. That's my answer, and I'm going to stick with that. The reason you don't shoot good is probably because you don't shoot good and you need to work on it, so go shoot paper. Go to riflecraft.com, start logging targets and figuring out why you don't shoot consistently because you have to shoot consistently before you can figure out how to layer on the skills that are really challenging like wind, stress, positional shifts, time management, target acquisition. Right? If you can't shoot an inch, that's what you have to do exclusively till you can, and once you can shoot an inch, then you can start layering and other stuff. But otherwise, you won't know why you missed. So get after it. Keep in touch. Let me know if you like this, and I will start pumping out more specific ones. But I thought this might be a pretty fun thing, and now I have a nice little doodle, and um, I worked that out of my system. So have a good one.